This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, February the 7th and 1st. The sister of a man convicted of killing a mother and daughter in Kent 26 years ago says he should finally be freed. Michael Stone has always denied murdering Lynn and Megan Russell in Chillenden in 1996. Well, now serial killer Levi Belfield who's serving life for murdering three people, including schoolgirl Millie Dowler, has apparently admitted being responsible. Barbara Stone has always campaigned for her brother to be released. It's probably the biggest hope we have of achieving mixed freedom since he's been um, imprisoned. Um, I had obviously had awareness that Belfield was suggesting that he committed the murders, but at no time had he ever made a full statement as he has now and made it available to the legal teams. And and obviously Michael's always said that he's innocent. Um, You've obviously campaigned on his behalf. I mean, are you convinced that he is innocent after hearing these revelations and this potential confession? I was convinced that Michael was innocent even before these revelations came to light. Um, It was just having the opportunity and finding the right way to prove it. But obviously this has just confirmed what I already known by having Levi Belfield very publicly say that he committed the murders. And when you did hear that, this must have brought you back to those memories, you know, of the trials and obviously what your family has gone through during this time. Yeah, we've been through a lot, as you know. We've had two trials, appeals. Um, We've been to the CCRC and most recently the cases with the CCRC. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of... I have spent some time reflecting back over it. Um, It's always been the case for us that we've perceived that we would have to find the real murderer in order for anyone to listen to my brother that he is innocent. Um, Now we appear to have done that. We're still struggling to get somebody to listen. When was the last time you were in contact with with Michael? Yesterday. And um, can I ask what that was like? What's his mood at the moment? Uh, He's probably not as excited as I am, actually. He's very pleased because he knows it represents the opportunity for him to be able to prove that he's innocent to the world. But he is in prison and he's carrying on with his um, usual everyday activities, such as they are, Um, and he's just looking forward to the day when he can go to the Court of Appeal and they say that he can go home. And Michael Stone's lawyer is Paul Bacon. He's calling for a review. I'm quite sure that this is a genuine document that Levi Belfield has written and I believe that what he has put in it is true. I think it gives information which is so clearly close to what happened. It says things you wouldn't make up, um, you wouldn't think to make them up. And it concludes with, for what I think is the very first time I've known about uh, anything to do with Levi Belfield, him being contrite, apologising to Michael Stone, apologising to the Russell family for what he did, and even saying he's prepared to talk to the police. We've been for years submitting uh, things to the Criminal Case Review Commission, all sorts of statements I've taken from people in prison all over the place, all giving what I thought was quite useful evidence, and forensic stuff we've submitted, all sorts of things. This is the big one. This is 
what I believe is a true statement and um, I'm asking the Criminal Cases Commission to um, pursue this vigorously because time's passing. It's been passing for poor Michael Stone forever. I mean, he's innocent. I believe he's innocent. The evidence against him at the time was very weak, very poor. And he's done 25 years. This July, he'll have done 25 years in prison. So it needs moving now and, and being sorted. The second thing I'm planning to do is to pass on the statement to the police. Um, I'm going to give it, give it to the Metropolitan Police and I'm going to ask them to investigate an admission on paper of a major crime, crimes. I don't think they can ignore it. They've got the resources to investigate it thoroughly. I haven't got the resources to, to check out any kind of corroborative features, but they have, and I'm hoping that they'll vigorously investigate this. I believe if they go and see Levi Belfield, under caution, on tape, he'll admit what he's put in that statement. And then he can be charged, and then I can apply to the court for Michael Stone to be freed on bail pending a full hearing. And hopefully then we'll get a real proper uh, conclusion, justice for Michael Stone. Kent Police say their position on Stone's conviction remains unchanged after two trials and a review. Kent Online News. Elsewhere today, the Prime Minister's been in Kent and insisted addressing the backlog within the NHS is a massive priority for the whole country. Earlier, Health Secretary Sajid Javid denied that a row with the Treasury was behind a delay to plans to tackle it. Well, we had been expecting an announcement on proposals today, but government ministers are instead blaming COVID for that not happening. Boris Johnson has been to the Kent Oncology Centre at Maidstone Hospital. This is what he had to say. Some things we can say today. Uh, and we're going to be producing more in the course of the, of the week. But uh, what we can say already is that we want to make sure that uh, when it comes to cancer, and I'm here in the, the Kent and Medway Oncology Centre, where they've done an amazing job, and they've kept going uh, really very fast uh, throughout the pandemic, and they, they've kept the levels of treatment up uh, virtually uh, as the same as they were before COVID. But we want everywhere in the country to match that success. So what we're saying is we want the vast majority of people who think they may have cancer to have a diagnosis either confirming or confirming that, that they do or that they don't uh, have cancer within 28 days. So we want th three and four to, to have that. Uh, and we're also saying that by March of 23, by, by spring next year, we want nobody to be waiting more than two months. We've got to, we, and those are, those are very tough targets. We've got to make sure that the, the NHS delivers them. To help us do that and to help the whole system, we're introducing today, I think, an advance called My Planned Care, which basically means that if you are due for an operation or, or any other treatment and you look around and you can see that you could get that treatment, that operation faster at somewhere like this place, for instance, which has low weightiness and does things fast, then you can take advantage of it and have a, we can use patient choice to try to, to drive down weightiness as well. 
Six million people are continuing to wait for treatment, but Labour's Jonathan Ashworth says the backlog can't just be blamed on coronavirus. It's a consequence of 10 years of desperate underfunding in the NHS, 10 years of failing to recruit the staff. I mean, Sajid Javid, he'll come and sit on your programme and he'll say, it's all because of the pandemic, the pandemic. It's not because of the pandemic. We went into that pandemic short of 40,000 nurses with the highest waiting list on record. A woman's been arrested following an attack at a Kent hotel which left a man in hospital. Police and ambulance crews were called to the travel lodge in Sandwich yesterday morning. The 32-year-old is being questioned on suspicion of assault. Three men have been arrested following a huge police operation in a village near Canterbury. Several officers and a helicopter were spotted in the Hurston area on Saturday night. They were called to reports of suspicious activity at a business near Island Road and are questioning the men over a burglary. Insulate Britain have admitted their climate change demonstrations have failed, but are now planning an even more ambitious campaign. Some activists have been jailed for blocking roads, including the M25 in Kent and the Port of Dover. Well, the protest groups say they're just getting started and are calling for others to join them as they urge the government to take action to insulate homes. People living in a part of Ashford are calling for better signage as cars keep being damaged by lorries getting past. A number of vehicles on Fairview Drive in the South Wilson part of town have had wing mirrors knocked off or lights broken as HGVs attempt to get down the residential street. They're trying to find the nearby lorry park at Sevington, but residents say signs aren't good enough. Ramona's vehicle is one of those that's been damaged. Nothing has been done about it and everybody around here lives in fear, basically. When is my turn? This is what I'm thinking about every evening, going out and saying, is it going to happen again? Is it tonight when it's going to happen? We're told the government has committed to resolving the problem while the local council is urging anyone who's been affected to get in touch. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. A wine bar has been blocked from opening in a village near Canterbury. The Tudor Peacock was due to launch in Chillum this summer with alcohol from all seven of Kent's top wine producers on sale. But plans have been refused following concerns from some residents about the added noise putting a distressing strain on their mental health. Discussions are taking place to potentially install more nuclear technology on Romney Marsh. It comes eight months after the announcement that the Dungeon SB power plant will move into the defuelling stage. EDF say there are no plans to develop the site in the future, but local MP Damien Collins has raised the idea of putting small modular reactors on the land during a parliamentary debate. Shop owners in Ashford are angry about a lay-by that's normally used by customers being turned into an extended bus stop. Yellow lines have been added on Faversham Road in Kennington, which businesses say is affecting trade. Council bosses say the changes were requested by stagecoach because of parked cars getting in the way. Eurostar have a Apologise to the family of a Maidstone mum who died of cancer after they were denied a £700 refund on a trip to Disneyland Paris. 26-year-old Sophie Collins from Barming passed away before they could go on her bucket list holiday. Eurostar say the train tickets were booked through Disney. The family have now been given their money back. Now today is Charles Dickens Day, which this year marks the 210th anniversary of the author's birth. And there are calls to save the Swiss chalet in Rochester, where he wrote his last words. The two-storey building, originally set up near Gads Hill in Higham, was used by the author from 1865 and until his death in 1870, where the old shack now sits in Eastgate Gardens in Rochester, but has deteriorated over time and is even starting to tilt despite some reinforcement work. Well, I've been speaking to Medway historian Jeff Etridge, who wants it to be restored. 
one's got to regard it as possibly the only token that we've got of Dickens in Rochester. Now, we've got small memorabilia, if you like, in the museum, but there's no other monument. And I know Dickens didn't want a monument, or it said he didn't want one, but actually the chalet is what he worked in. It was given to him as a gift, you know, and really it seems to be just the maximum isn't being made of it in some ways. You know, a lot more can be made of a chalet that had a real connection with Dickens. You know, he was in his garden and he worked in it. That's right. Tell us a bit about the history, because it was in his garden at Gads Hill Place in Higham, which is now a school, but that used to be Dickens' home. And that's where it was for quite a long time. Is that right? It's actually across the road from the, the main Gravesend Road. And he had an underpass built from the house uh, across to it. And, and it was set in a shrubbery. On his death, his, um, his son basically wanted to liquidate all his assets <laughs> as quickly as possible. But his um, sister-in-law quickly stepped in and it went on a bit of a tour before it ended up in the grounds of uh, Cobham Hall. And I suspect over time it was just sort of forgotten about in the grounds. But to save the chalet, it was um, donated to the Rochester and uh, Chatham's Dickens Fellowship. And in 61, it ended up on its current location in the, in the grounds behind uh, Eastgate House. And do we know what books or what parts of books Dickens actually wrote while he spent time in that chalet? Well, what I do know is that he was working on these, his last novel, um, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, uh, in it the night before. Um, I, I don't know what other books he might have written in there, but one could possibly work it out from the date of its arrival uh, to his death in 1870. And it is an incredibly beautiful building. It's, it's a very ornate chalet. We might think of a garden chalet now as something completely different, but it, it, it looks very lovely. And I've grown up in Rochester and obviously seen it in Eastgate Gardens. And I saw it the other day and it was really, really sad. Can you tell us a bit about the kind of the, the state that it's in at the moment? Currently, it's actually sort of tilting slightly. It's no longer on the square, um, but they've put some um, reinforcements inside to stop the uh, it going from a kind of oblong to a trapezium there. Um, and if one looks very closely at it, one can see that uh, the rot is setting in in the, in the, lower, the lower timbers there. And uh, when I was there last week, I even saw a plant growing out of the, the timber. And that's just going to accelerate its, its deterioration there. Um, I don't think it'll ever be able to go back to being open to the public because basically it's a very elderly shed. You know, it's made out of soft wood. It wasn't destined to last as long as it, it did. But uh, I, do, I do believe that it could be saved. And I think a lot more work could be done on it. And, and it could become a, a, a kind of cultural asset for, for Rochester. Because, you know, I could see our, our musicians and um, actors pushing on things in the front of the chalet and perhaps even from the balcony of the chalet um, with uh, the audience in the Eastgate Gardens. I, I think it's got more potential than one would see at present. And uh, I certainly wouldn't want to just save the shack. I, I would want it to be saved in a way that it's got some utility and adds to the cultural heritage of, of Rochester and indeed the Medway town. Medway Council say they're currently looking into conservation options and funding. You may also recall last week we had a visit from the Duchess of Cornwall who went to see the newly opened Dickens exhibition at the Guildhall Museum. Do listen back to last week's podcast for details on that. Kent Online reports. A Kent brewery is going to start making a Thai beer for the UK market. Faversham-based Shepherd Neem have agreed a deal to distribute Singer in bottles, cans and kegs 
drinks. It'll be sold in selected pubs across London and the South East. Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds are going to be doing a show in Kent this summer. They'll be performing on the scenic stage at Dreamland on Wednesday the 8th of June. Tickets will go on sale at 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday. There's a new number one on the Kent Top 40 with Alex and Numi on our sister radio station KMFM. Sacrifice by the weekend has climbed two places to take the top spot. George Ezra's new song Anyone For You is in at number two with ABC by Gale dropping to number three. And a 50p coin to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee is entering circulation in Kent today. The design has been personally approved by Her Majesty and will celebrate her 70 years on the throne. A total of 1.3 million coins are going to be released today. You can see pictures of them at kentonline.co.uk. Meantime, a 41 gun salute has also taken place in London's Green Park. Another gun salute was fired from Edinburgh Castle. There was also one at the Tower of London. Her Majesty is the first monarch in British history to have been on the throne for 70 years. Kent Online Sport. Football and unfortunately the dream start wasn't to continue for New Gillingham manager Neil Harris as they lost to Ipswich Town at the weekend. It finished 1-0 at Portman Road on Saturday and there was an injury to midfielder Danny Lloyd. Well, the result means the Jills are still eight points from safety in League One with a busy rest of the month ahead. The manager spoke after the final whistle. The fans that travelled, they made some fantastic noise and supported the team, but they also had a performance to support as well, which is key. I thought we started the game on the front foot in the ascendancy for five minutes. Minutes. And then it dips it were really good. That crew the other night in the second half, good footballing teams find a way to play. And no disrespect to crew, because you've got better players. And I thought they were fantastic with the ball for, for 25 minutes. But only created two chances. And they both come from set plays, second phases. You know, where, where I'm disappointed with my players not winning first contacts and second balls. But the goalkeeper's not made a save. Um, and then we had 15 minutes for half time where we dominated, um, caused mistakes, uh, made good decisions, got in good areas, uh, got close to a couple of shots from around the box. And then at half-time, the boys' game plan's working. You know, stick with them, just, just tinkered slightly, just to get a little bit higher up the pitch on the press. Um, the amount of times we regained the ball and played forward and run forward and, and, and played with quality. And, and uh, arguably before Lloydie goes off and just after he goes off, we could be 3 0 up. We've hit the woodwork twice, Keeper's made this good save. And, and a couple of times the ball's ricocheted in the box, how it doesn't find a red shirt is, is unbelievable. And I just said to the boys there, look, we've lost a game of football that nine times out of ten we'll probably win. Improvement. Seems to be in the stands that the football gods weren't really spying on us today. Let's talk about the Danny Lloyd injury because, as you say, up until then, our momentum was quite high and that just seemed to take the sting out, out of that momentum. But, firstly, how is Danny? Uh, Danny uh, is the, the, on the bed in there, um, uh, being treated at the moment. Uh, it looks like a knee injury, but it's really early days. He'll certainly be having scans and x rays to see the extent of the damage. Um, I, was, I certainly don't want to. Think the worst or, or, or positive anything at the moment when it's off to see how, how he assesses in, in the next sort of 24 48 hours. Um, but uh, he was outstanding again today and he gives us that spark and that brightness and the goal threat. He's a clever player, with work ethic, and, and obviously just saw the game change a little bit when, it, when he went off. Uh, we didn't get to see because Danny wasn't on the pitch, um, but it made it more difficult for us to score It's fast to say if we play like that from now until the rest of the season, we, we surely will pick up wins. Yeah, and, and that's all we want to do. Is, you know, talk about improvement and momentum, and, and just say to the boys, that's momentum again today. That performance, the fact they've come off the pitch with a standing ovation from the away support that booed them off three weeks ago when they got beat four 0 and let's be honest, it could have been fifteen um, at home to come off with that performance, to walk in the change room and be disappointed 
they're only supported, they haven't got a point, they spent one. And I said, boys, that's how good you were. The Jills welcome mid-table Cambridge United to Priestfield tomorrow night. And in cricket, England's women are looking to restore a bit of pride as they take on Australia in the final game of the Ashes in Melbourne later. Ken Stammy Beaumont is with the squad who are yet to win a match this series heading into tonight's one-day international. The hosts have an unassailable lead of 10 points to four. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.